right. I want to just read uh, this very well-known portion of Scripture to you before we start. And I know the guys have already been teaching out of this the last couple of weeks, but it says, Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and uh, falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for your example to us. And I thank you that your word is given to wash us, to teach us, to instruct us, and to lead us into all truth. And Father, this morning as I preach and share these things from my heart, I pray, Lord, that they really would be of help to these people. But more than that, Lord, I, I pray for my friends. I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to teach us afresh this year of the simplicity and the truth and the power of these things in our lives. And so, Lord, I simply give you this time and I ask that you would take these things, that you would plant them in our hearts, that you would grow them, and that there would be much fruit out of us into the community that we love and we are serving. And I pray that in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. So we had a delightful time away, I must say. It was incredibly refreshing for us. It was very rich, and I guess holidays are supposed to be times of rest and recreation, and we have come back very rested, fully rested, and in a real sense, recreated. Uh, It was a time of much laughter, swimming, reading. We like to do crosswords in our family. It's one of the things we do. So we did about 100 crosswords sitting on the beach, and also praying, talking, as well as enjoying much wonderful Greek food and a couple of other Greek delicacies. So, kleftikos, gyros, all these kind of dishes, stephados, I don't know if you know them. And I have to say, after being to Greece, uh, George, I don't know why you live here, I must be honest. But I would definitely be living there. No, I'm just teasing. It's the weather. (laughs) It's the weather. (laughs) It's the weather. At the same time, we were just amazed at the beauty of God's creation, and uh, we just enjoyed soaking it all in. And one particular experience that I, I really enjoyed was taking a boat cruise around this island that we were staying on called Zakynthos. And um, they stopped three or four times and allowed us to dive off with a snorkel, and the water was somewhere between seven and ten meters. And uh, my boys and I, we just dived off the boat, put our snorkels on, and it was like swimming in an aquarium. It's, un- it's, it's actually... 
uh, unless you've been and experienced it, you think it's not possible. You could see the sand at the bottom 10 meters down from the boat. It is like azure blue. It's a hard, it's like turquoisey water. You can't describe it. It's absolutely incredible. It's like diving into a bath and just seeing a myriad of fish before your eyes. It was absolutely incredible. And uh, we just felt God speak to us also because not only was it a time of, of refreshing, but really it's a time that God met with us as a family. And uh, it's good sometimes just to withdraw from your circumstances and reflect on your life and allow God to speak to you. And I've always found it amazing that when you create space for God in your life, it's, ama- it's amazing how much He seems to speak. Or rather, should I say, it's amazing how much time we give Him so we can hear Him. And we just give space. Perhaps it's us that unclutter our lives and then our ears pop open more because our God is always speaking, isn't He? And so perhaps I should say it more accurately like that. And so we return with a, a sense of really being rec- recreated and something's begun in us that I really hope and I'm trusting is going to continue by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And much has come out as we just, Helen and I, talked and prayed together and read much and studied some things. And there's a fresh passion in our hearts. And a a godly, I believe, a godly determination to change some things in our personal lives, which we trust are going to change our ministry, to you, our family here. And also have impact, we hope, on how we minister from this church and into the community and into this nation. And so the last time I spoke to you, I preached a wonderful portion of scripture about the vineyard, about the vine, about the vine dresser, about his ways in our lives, about his discipline, his pruning. And uh, I guess we've been under some of those processes while we've been away on holiday. Isn't that a maddening thing? Every time you preach something, it's like God takes you through what you're preaching. And so I've experienced some of the ouches of God in my life as I've been away. As God has put some things, I guess his finger on some things in my life that I know need to change. And so I guess we've been going through some pruning and some changing. And I realize this, that there's some things in my leadership that need to change. Uh, Importantly, the way that I prioritize and value friendship that God has blessed me with in the life of this church, needs to be realigned. It needs to be given much greater focus and priority. Uh, there are things in, my fa- in fathering of my children that need to grow in a deeper level. And I'm speaking here both of my natural children and if you're a son and a daughter in this house, in that respect as well. And the things God cl- made clear to me in terms of my husbanding, my, the loving of my wife, that need more clear focus. There are many things, but change is always good. And change is always for God's glory and so that a greater fruitfulness can come. And so I've come back greatly encouraged, refreshed, envisioned, and trusting God for good things. And so some of these painful promptings from God have birthed a simultaneous rekindling of a fire in me, I guess. And I've felt a resurgence of vision. I've felt a fresh uh, whisper of God in my ear, not only for my own life, but for this wonderful, wonderful church and what He wants to do through us and in us, uh, through us into the community. And maybe I'm being a little bit clumsy in trying to express what truly has been a key moment for us as a family in our lives. And I really trust that you'll hear something more of my, my heart. And then 
After our return, we met uh, with our elders on Friday night and Saturday, the whole of yesterday, and just to worship together, to pray together, to seek God for the year. And personally for Helen and I, I believe, I believe for the elders as well, and for this church, it was a watershed time. I really believe it was a time where we really met with God. And He's put some things back in place that we'd allowed to become misaligned. And so there's a determination in us as an eldership team to allow our ministry to be more spirit-directed, for our relationship with each other as a team and those that we are leading to be more cherished, to be more, to give it a greater priority, which it deserves. And we want to pray together with you this year for a more effective, effective strategizing so that we can be raise up and release much more specifically and clearly ministry from this priesthood here. And we really came back with these things burning in us. And part of that process really began in me six months ago, because six months ago I felt God in my personal life urge me to study the Sermon on the Mount. And so I've been doing that, reading some material, and only, we're only preaching it now. And uh, while I was away, Mike and Paul uh, began to introduce that theme to you as a church. And I want to continue to do that today. And really my reading and my study has been part of this process of God challenging me and stirring me with new things. And so I want to very briefly this morning just look at the first three little statements that Jesus makes. And this really is an introduction. I'm not in any way going to try and um, expound these in any lengthy way, but obviously over the months ahead, we're going to look specifically at each of these things that Jesus says in a much more detailed way. But I'd like to start this morning just simply with some interactive thoughts, three little thoughts for you. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And as I've read this and I've meditated upon this, I've come to realize more and more that it's not written first by accident. It's not like Jesus didn't know where to start. He starts here for a fundamental reason, because it's the key to everything that follows after it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And God is birthing in me a growing hunger for the fullness of what that means for my own life. And I trust over this year for this church and for this community. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's no one in the kingdom of heaven who is not poor in spirit. It should be one of the fundamental characteristics of any, of any Christian in a sense. What Jesus is talking about here is an emptying of ourselves. An emptying of ourselves. We can't be full of God, we can't be full of His kingdom unless we first are empty of a whole lot of other stuff. Yeah? And he wants to em us to empty ourselves of other things so he can fill us with his, his Holy Spirit and that the kingdom can fully come in us. And then if you want to use a theological word, uh, justification by faith, we believe in that as a primary, it is the basis of what we believe. This is a perfect example of what that doctrine means. Blessed are those that are poor in spirit for theirs. And we could put in brackets, only theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm actually feeling relaxed, so please don't, I'm not trying to be intense. This thing of life that we live, it's full of challenges, it's, 
they lie like mountains before us, the challenges that we face. And Jesus reminds us here, right at the beginning of this passage, that we are incapable of anything, of overcoming anything, of uh, climbing those mountains, if you like, in our own strength. We are incapable of it. We are ineffective in our leadership, in our friendship, in our fathering, in our husbanding, in whatever sphere of life you want to quote. We are ineffective in those things, starting from ourselves. What Jesus is concerned about here is a poverty, is poverty of spirit. Ultimately, it's our attitude towards ourselves that really counts. There's a clear distinction here between those that are of the kingdom and those are of the world. And I want to say to you this morning that this verse perhaps encapsulates what the world in fact despises. Why? Because the world has an emphasis and a belief in the self. I've spoken of some things these before. Self-reliance, self-confidence, self-expression. We are all told like good salesmen, if you want to do well and succeed in your job, you know what you need to do? You have to be full of confidence. You've got to, be, you've got to profess your confidence, your self-assurance, and believe that you are successful and you will be successful. How many of you heard of that kind of language if you've been involved in the business world? Believe in yourself. Realize the potential in yourself, that which is innate within you that is just residing there, and let that attitude come out from you and everybody is going to understand and know it. And that's the attitude that people bring into the kingdom. And the hope that it's going to work in the kingdom. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom. When we face to face with God, we can't feel anything else in His presence except an utter poverty of our spirits. An utter, overwhelming sense of of our need of Him. And I want to say to you, if we experience anything else in the presence of God, I want to question whether we really are experiencing the presence of God. I'm not here to be introverted, but I do feel a little vulnerable this morning because I'm actually trying to encourage you for the year, but God has been doing some things in me. And I stand here this morning ever more aware than ever of my own lack, my own weakness, outside of His power in me. My own bankruptcy outside of His grace in my life. And my own ineffectiveness outside of His daily guidance and leading by the power of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. And then Jesus continues, He says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. <laughs> and living, just having our holiday near Laganas, which is this sort of famous... 18 to 30 kind of resort on this island. When you look at the world, it's exactly opposite to the world. <laughs> Happy are those that mourn. That's what Jesus is saying. Happy are those that mourn. We were surrounded by hundreds of young people pursuing pleasure. Seem to be very happy giving themselves to pleasure. The world doesn't like mourning. The world doesn't like to be upset. It likes to be happy. Much of our culture is about trying to forget trouble and be happy. Now, I'm showing my age now, but remember that Bobby McFerrin song? Remember that song? 
if you whistle that, everyone knows what's coming. Don't worry, be happy. Now, that's the theme song of the world. Don't worry, be happy. Pack up your troubles in your old kid bag, as we used to sing in the Boy Scouts, and smile, smile, smile. And Jesus says here, he says, No, blessed are you that mourn, for you shall be comforted. <laughs> blessed means truly happy. He's saying, you'll be truly happy if you mourn. I mean, what is that? Well, I want to say it must be clear to us as we read this. He's not talking about anything other than something that is spiritual. He's not saying to those that are mourning in a natural sense, be happy. Meaning, for example, if you've lost a loved one in your life, he's not saying that. He's saying something completely different. It's to do with spiritual mourning. That's what he's driving at. He's pointing us to something else. Jesus is saying, he's pointing us and saying, look carefully at your life. And I, as I was away on holiday, I felt the Holy Spirit remind me again of my own sin. How it grieves God and how much I need the grace of God in my life. He wants us to grieve about our own sin, about our, the lack of His power in us. I found myself grieving for the lost. Not angry, grieving for the lost. I saw those young people just giving themselves to a whole lot of stuff, and I didn't feel judgment or anger. I felt a deep compassion welling up in me to say, God, they need a Savior. They need a kingdom that cannot be shaken in their lives. That's what they need. I was reminded how desperately people love, need the love and the mercy of God. All around us, hundreds of people finding ways to numb pain in their lives. And this deep compassion began to grow in me. Lord, I cry in my heart to see them saved. And then at the same time, I felt it grieving for a lack of those who would go and bring themselves to bringing the harvest in for the kingdom. It's about mourning about those things as we grieve for our own lostness, the sin in our own lives, and the brokenness of the world. The promise of God to us is that we will be comforted in Christ. I don't want to say any more than that this morning. Thirdly, Jesus says this, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. <laughs> again, it's just antithesis again, isn't it? The world encourages us all to pursue wealth, and power and dominance over others. Do whatever it takes to get to the top of the corporate ladder. Doesn't matter who you wreck along the way. The end justifies the means. The profit margin determines how you behave. It doesn't matter. Yet the teaching of Jesus again is the complete opposite. It's not about self-preservation. It's not about an insistence of our rights, but it's about Him. It's about His kingdom as we give that away, we begin to find ourselves. And in my devotions this week, I was just reading again a couple of scriptures. John chapter 7, you know it well, and I, uh, it's kind of becoming a theme for me in my own life. He who believes in me, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. Please note this, Jesus didn't say, he who believes in me will realize all of the blessings of the fullness of God. Because that's what we sometimes want. All the blessings of the fullness of God. In essence, he said this in that little phrase. He said this, he who believes in me will have everything that he receives escape 
out of Him. You want the blessing of God? It's not for you. The blessing of God comes upon you, in you, so it can flow through you and out of you. And I believe God gives blessing to those who will open their hands and let it flow. Those who want the blessing just for themselves, it's going to dry up. God wants the blessing to flow through us, out of us, to touch a dying world. And Jesus was always anti-self-realization. His purpose was not to develop us as people. His purpose was to make us exactly like Himself. That's what He wants. He wants us to become exactly like Himself. And if we really believe in Jesus, it's not what we gain that counts, but it's what we give away that counts. And to use a, the illustration of the grapes, the last preach that I did, God's purpose is not just to make us big, fat, juicy grapes, big bunches of grapes. Actually, His purpose is to make us into those grapes so He can squeeze all the sweetness out of us. And that's the part we don't like. He wants to squeeze all the sweetness out of us. Our lives... And our spiritual lives are measured by, not by success as the world measures it, but only what God pours through us. And in a sense, that can't be measured at all. And then the other scripture that I read this week that really just impacted my heart again. You know, when Mary takes, as I sang this morning, Mary, she takes that flask of costly, costly perfume, oil, whatever it was, and she breaks it. You know, no, no one even saw it as a special occasion. In fact, some said, what's she doing? She's wasting this expensive perfume. And yet Jesus commends her and says, what she's done, this extravagant act of worship, what she's done, this devotion that she's shown, wherever the gospel is preached, what this woman has done will be told as a memorial to her. Isn't that amazing? Some people didn't even notice it. And Jesus says, this will be spoken for for all time. Blessed are those. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. God is pleased. I believe He's filled with an overwhelming joy when He sees any of us doing what Mary did. Not being bound by a set of rules and regulations, but being totally, completely surrendered to Him. God poured out the life of His Son that the world through him might be saved. That's what John says. I want to ask you this year, as we start this year, and I always say in this church, it's always the new year, isn't it? Christmas is the new year. May is the new year because we started the church in May. September is the new year because that's the real new year. So it's always the new year. But this new year, as we stand on the cusp of this new year, I want to just ask you, are you prepared this year to pour out your life for him? To pour out your life for him. If we are prepared to break the flask of our lives, hundreds and hundreds of other lives will be continued refreshed. Now's the time to stop seeking our own satisfaction. Now's the time to stop seeking self and to pour out our lives before Him. And God is asking us today. He's asking you. He's asking me. Are you willing to do it? See, I was thinking about a river, and a river is a very interesting thing because when you look at the source, you're not quite sure where the river is going to end. Isn't that true? You don't know where it's going to go. And a river flows, and it overcomes all obstacles and barriers in its life. You can divert it for a while, but soon it finds its way around the obstacle and it continues just to flow. 
And I feel like sometimes when we feel like God is not using us as, as we want, perhaps we feel like there's a blockage in the way, some obstacle. You know what? If there's a river of living water flowing from us, it just finds its way around. And God eventually overcomes whatever that obstacle is. So my friends, my plea to you, this, this my prayer, my plea to you as, a, as our friends in this church is don't let anything come between you and Jesus this year. No experience, no emotion, no difficulty. If we keep our eyes focused on Him and pour out our lives like that fragrant perfume, we will have no idea of the hundreds of lives that we will touch and the river that will flow from us to nourish thousands as it goes. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's how we inherit the earth. By rivers of living water flowing from us, touching many, transforming lives, transforming communities, transforming nations. Trevor, can you come again? Musicians, we're going to just worship again. Now, friends, I'm by definition loud and extroverted. And uh, normally at the beginning of the year, perhaps I would want to preach a loud, extroverted message encouraging you, stirring you, saying, come on, let's take the mountain this year. There's much to do. And there is. But I've just felt the tenderness of God in my, in my own life and the heart of God for me and my family is actually come back to the foot of the cross and let the living water begin to flow.